The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom, so we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Podcast Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. We are sponsored today by And One Analytics. James, we're going to be looking at your updated top 200 prospect list on the site. Uh, but first, I want to talk about the debut of Jose Barrios. I we were playing basketball at the time. I, I need to go back and, and watch uh, the archived game. But I know you went back and watched some of it. What do you, what do you see from Jose Barrios? It was kind of a typical debut start you know i mean the the blake snell debut is not 
typically what you're going to see from no, some no, of these no. these top prospects when they they make their first start so uh not not really that alarming that he didn't make it through five innings the breaking ball wasn't as sharp and tight as it usually is but all of his pitches move i can definitely see how you know going forward he's going to be a guy that gets a lot of swings and misses in the zone mm-hmm. so i i really kind of liked what i saw just really athletic uh kind of was was falling off the mound a little bit uh not repeating his mechanics but i, I think over the long haul, it's it's definitely going to be a, a pretty valuable asset. And it was kind of like he, he unraveled a bit late in that outing, right? Well, he was putting runners on all game. Uh, was pitching from the stretch for most of the night. So I thought it was just, yeah, I mean, kind of a typical debut outing, really. There, there were flashes of brilliance with some of the strikeouts, but just wasn't efficient enough to, to get through five. Yeah, and unlike a guy like Vincent Velasquez, I always call him Vincent for some reason, stuck in my ways. Vince Velasquez, uh, not really ha- doesn't really come with those workload concerns over the rest of the season. Am I right? Because he threw, he approached 170 innings last year. I expect him to be up and and pretty much in the rotation from now until the end of the year. Am I right? Yeah, he's. Yeah, I mean he's he's probably going to be good for 160 innings, 170 innings for the Twins going forward here, as long as he can average six ish innings per start so uh, yeah, i mean he's he's definitely the real deal in all formats should be owned i mean he was probably already owned before that call up so not really much to discuss in that sense but mm-hmm. should be fun to watch him the rest of the year yeah absolutely and just real quick you mentioned blake snell uh his debut not not typical for for young kids coming up but really impressive we were watching the, the start on tv here in the office while we were doing the sirius xm show last week would you rather have Snell over Barrios rest of the season, or is it pretty close? I think I'd rather have Barrios, okay. just because I trust the innings more. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think Snell's going to be up for the majority of the rest of the year for the Rays, but I also just don't know. Like, I wouldn't. If there's any team that would try to manipulate mm-hmm. some stuff with. Super two stuff. It would be the Rays. So I, I and the fact that they've got a guy like Alex Cobb and Erasmo Ramirez. I mean, they they've got way more options than the Twins do. So I, I kind of trust Barrios a bit more. Rest of season, I think overall on a per start basis, I I think Snell. It's just, I don't know. It, I it's a toss up to me. I think I liked Barrios more than Snell before the season. But not by much, right? Not by much. Snell's Snell might have better stuff, but I think Barrios has has better command. Interesting. Well, Barrios was removed from your latest top two hundred prospect list. Snell's still on there because he was still in the minors. You removed every player that's currently in the majors, even if they still have prospect status. Am I right? Yeah, I didn't really know how to go about doing that, and to make it kind of uniform, I definitely didn't see any purpose in keeping guys like Mazzara or Trevor Story or Byung-Ho Park on the list and just to kind of make it uniform so that there's no kind of gray area. Uh, I even removed guys like Sean Manaya and, and Michael Fulmer who are going to be up tomorrow just yeah. so that everyone looking at this list is well aware that there's not a single big league guy on here. I think that that's more useful just because anyone – 
probably anyone looking at this list is in a league where guys like Manaya and Fulmer have already been picked up. It doesn't really do any good to tell you where they are mm-hmm. on here. I can tell you that Manaya would have been around 40. Fulmer would have been around 80. Uh, you know, Mazzara would have been number two. Story would have probably been in the top 30 or top 35 at least. It's It doesn't really matter, though, because all those guys are already owned in pretty much every format. Yeah, again, we'll get get deep into that top 200 here shortly but I, you know want to talk about some some keeper league trading because uh the heat has really picked up on the in-season stove of late you've been making some moves in our staff keeper league two with the aim of, of making a real good push i mean you're already top three if i, if I remember correctly but really boosting that roster added uh, paul goldschmidt and wade davis you gave up ken giles alex bregman Christian Yelich, and I think a draft pick there. Yeah, my second round reserve pick in that one. Nice. Uh, uh, I think that's a, obviously a, a real nice deal for you. Yelich was on a really favorable contract, and Bregman's nice enough. But I think we've talked about Bregman before. Good player, but I mean, especially for fantasy, is he dinged a little bit for fantasy? Not as much as I thought when he was drafted. He's clearly can just hit i mean he's he's gonna be uh probably a top 10 shortstop or second baseman depending on where he's playing third baseman maybe he could even be a top 10 guy there if the the power continues to show up the way it has i didn't want to give up him i didn't want to give up yelich on that deal and you know you can't really pass up the chance to get paul goldschmidt or Wade Davis. I think Goldschmidt's hit three homers since that trade last week. Nice. Uh, and then one, I mean, I needed two closers. I got Wade Davis as my first one via trade, and then I got my second one in Hector Rondon along with David Ortiz for Alex Reyes, Reyes Nick Williams, and my first round reserve pick today. So unloading that much minor league talent and just kind of long term cheap talent in the span of a week is. Never easy, but that's kind of why you acquire most of it in the first place is yeah, to exactly. use it as as uh, cash, basically, to, to go buy the guys that you need midseason. I, I still was able to hold, you know, Joey Gallo was the guy that I didn't want to trade. Uh, if I could help it, I, I did dangle him out there to one owner, but he didn't bite on that. It was kind of going to be a bigger package. Didn't end up giving up giving up Tim Anderson, even though I was willing to do that. Uh, so I still managed to maintain some of my high-end minor leaguers, but I, I really kind of like the overall return I got for all those guys. Yeah, we were talking about it a little bit before coming on and, and recording this, but uh, we both agree that the package you gave up to get David Ortiz and Hector Rondon was very nice for the, for that owner, but it also made perfect sense for you needing uh, a second closer and some offensive help. And closers, especially the high-end ones, really tough to, to get in that league. Right, and there was no long-term uh, return for me on this one because Rondon's expiring, Ortiz is retiring. Uh, but, yeah, like, I didn't want to – I just wanted to not have to worry about saves and doing the waiver wire saves game and trying to end up end up trading a guy like Nick Williams or something like that straight up for a closer who then, like, loses his job in, like, two months. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to play that game, so – I don't know if Rondon's going to be the Cubs closer next year, but I think he's definitely kind of got that job for the rest of this year. He's been really good and since a rough spring training. Yeah, and and it's 
once you kind of make that first move where you're giving up future value for for current value like i did in the the goldschmidt deal then at that point when when you're out there making moves we'll get to your move in a in a minute here Couple. you, you kind of got to just keep pushing pushing your foot on the the gas there in the trade market and mm-hmm. and kind of push more of those pieces in because it is it is an arms race it, it started a little earlier this year than it usually does started like I think. the second day of the season yeah and yeah, you know, I mean, if you if you don't get in on that arms race, then you're going to be left in the dust. I'm kind of in a spot like that in another dynasty league right now, where I people are making moves, and it, you kind of got to decide how serious you are about trying to win the league this year. And you know, you and I are both very, very pot committed on winning our first Staff Keeper League Two title mm-hmm. in 2016. Yeah, I think this is going to be the the great arms race of 2016 in SKL. I, I hope it doesn't get much greater because I don't <laughs> really want to make any more moves. Like I, yeah. I don't have many more any many weaknesses left on my roster, uh, so I don't know necessarily what I would do if I if I were trying to add another piece. So I, I think I'm kind of hoping that what I have is is good enough at this point. But what you were you were pretty busy yourself. You made yeah last night made a couple couple moves and uh but i'm with you i mean i i kind of hope the arm race settles in eventually because i'm almost nearing my max budget because uh, we have the three six or 260 for the auction and then but then you can add an additional 100 mm-hmm. just in trades fab dollars not counting against your your max budget uh, but i added like 74 dollars i think combined and danny salazar and Corey kluber had to part with julio urias uh, which hurts. Didn't expect to do it, but the ability to get Kluber and Salazar was just too good to pass up, especially when uh, front-end starting pitching was really my my main weakness. Yeah. It, I, I, that owner had been kind of shopping Kluber and Salazar since the start of the season, and I think my strong suit after the auction, buying Kershaw and buying Lester and having – several other high-end arms going into the auction was my starting pitching and I just didn't want to use any of my trade ships to address that that area but yeah I mean I, th- I thought you did well to swoop in and grab two potentially top 20 top 15 starters when there really aren't that many available mm-hmm. via trade because they're either already on contending teams or they're on keeper contracts that uh, are super favorable right yeah. you, you just there's only a it's a scarce resource there's only a limited amount and same with like closers uh so yeah i thought i thought you did pretty well there it's you know we both in the span of what like seven hours gave up the number two (laughs) and number three pitching prospects in the game but it's their their pitching prospects you know i mean it's really scary to think about possibly giving up a guy like Reyes who could be a 250 strike out of year guy or a guy like Urias who could be kind of a perennial top five top 10 starting pitcher mm-hmm. but there's always that chance and it's not necessarily a small chance that that those guys either just for whatever reason it doesn't work out the way we all thought or they get hurt and you don't want to sit back at the end of the year and be like damn kind of wish wish I'd gotten yeah. something for that guy or did I or wonder like did I do everything I could to try to win the league when you when exactly. you've already made other moves that kind of make you sort of pot committed? Yeah, exactly. 
you know, getting Kluber and Salazar was big. But I also think for the other owner, Chris Smith, that that made sense because he's in the rebuild. And, again, these are kind of bloated contracts. I think Kluber maybe he's like 43. But, I mean, that would be reasonable to keep uh, just given the inflation in this league. But for him to aim for that high end, uh, those high end prospects, I think is smart because, you know, in a vacuum this may look, you know, really lopsided. But, yeah, I think Urias on a minor league deal for two guys on – 30 plus dollar contracts is smart i also think it's very interesting you know when you start shopping around in a league like you're you're always sort of surprised by what other teams want from you Mm -hmm. uh you know for instance the owner that i was doing the that i did the reyes williams deal with wasn't interested in tim anderson um sort of based on already having a a couple high-end shortstop prospects and you know, when I was dealing with Adam Wolf about uh, the Goldschmidt deal, he had no interest in Joey Gallo. Like, so yeah. it, it's just, it's kind of, everyone's got their own sort of biases with, with prospects. And so sometimes you you might be hesitant to approach an owner about a player because you know, you assume they're going to ask for this guy and like, you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I think it's always worth kind of asking because you just never know. I mean, they're the guys that they want might not be the guys that you think they should want. And, yeah. and it sometimes works out that way. I mean, for me to get the amount of talent when now talent I did without giving up Gallo was, was kind of the perfect way for that to play out in my mind. So it was kind of surprising, but it, it's something that you, kind of shows you, you it doesn't hurt to just ask yeah exactly and I, I was actually listening to the podcast yesterday with dvr and todd zola and they were talking about some kind of general trading strategy but i think it really is fitting for, for keeper leagues too uh you kind of want to you know almost it's not really deception but you want to put the power the perceived power kind of in the other owner's hands you know what do you want mm-hmm. like maybe give them a couple options here here's some mm-hmm. some guys pick a couple like but you are the one, you know, they feel like they're they're the ones dictating the trade, but you're kind of driving the ship. Right, yeah, like, exactly, exactly. Like, the, the worst way to, like, get started on a trade or a negotiation is to just cold call someone with an offer of a player that you, like, clearly are trying to unload. Mm-hmm. Like, like a, yeah, I don't exactly. know. For, for instance, someone was, like, offering me Evan Gaddis in a league a couple weeks ago, and it's it just wasn't a like just looking at my roster like there was nothing i would do with evan gaddis like i don't even want him period even if i did have like a need at util or something like that like there's no way there's no way for that discussion to really kind of get rolling whereas if you just say hey like i'm looking i see you got some like pitchers or the you know, I, I see you have you know a closer and you might not be trying to compete this year like i'd be willing to move you know some of my prospects like is there anyone that kind of jumps out to you like that kind of thing that's a much better dialogue, and then it gives a lot of. There's a lot of avenues that that dialogue can can lead to, uh, that can lead to a trade for for exactly. both parties. Whereas you just you want to give the the trade discussions a lot of a lot of room, uh, a lot of different directions that they could spread off in. Yeah, exactly, and that was another thing they were kind of talking about. Go back and check out yesterday's podcast for for really good insight from Derek and Zola. But uh, yeah, they were kind of talking about. You know, you don't want to, it's, you know, you really don't want to start the trade talks by taking a guy that you clearly are just trying to unload and just, mm-hmm. like, forcing a fit. You mm-hmm. know, if there's a fit, 
yeah, you can explore it, but if you're just, it's just obvious that you want to get rid of a guy, mm-hmm. and you're just, and you don't take the second to look at their roster mm-hmm. and just think it over, uh, that's probably not going to go anywhere because they're probably going to just hit reject, not even put it in a little right. message in there to respond. Well, so. I usually put a message in, especially if it's a terrible offer, just to kind of be like, just uh, throw shade. I don't like this player. <laughs> <laughs> please stop. Please stop calling me. <laughs> yeah, I did. Like. I was tempted to just do the no message when I got offered Adam Jones for Chris Sale in a AL only keeper league or AL only league, not a keeper league. But uh, I just ended up saying would take more than that uh, <laughs> and left it at that. Don't expect to negotiate much further. But I also traded Ian Happ on a one A contract. I mean, I bought him in the auction for a co- for a buck for Curtis Granderson. It was a situation where I had Shebler, Scott Shebler. Uh, in my number five outfielder spot, the Chai's. Uh, thank God the Shebler era did come to an end. But getting Granderson in there, especially when I needed runs scored, made sense. You know, he sat yesterday, but that was he played every inning this season until then. Just caught fire a little bit lately. Four homers now, and with the runs scored, it just made sense. Hap could be really good, uh, and I may have been more hesitant to do this if he was on a minor league deal, but on a on a one A, it just made sense. Yeah, and I think. You and I kind of benefited timing-wise on, you know, you moving half, me moving Bregman. Both guys are just off to crazy good starts yeah, in the halves at, at high A, Bregman was at double A. And, you know, I, I love both of those guys long-term. I, I just think they, they have big league bats, big league approaches. There's not It's not really easy to find flaws in either of their games. But you are definitely kind of catching them when you know they're off to like a hot start. You know, who knows? Maybe they run into a bit of a slump in the in the summer months or something like that. And you know, especially you know Mario, who's kind of new to the the fantasy game uh, on the baseball side, especially season long. You know, he's going to look at a guy like Hap's player page and just really, you know, he might he probably doesn't know much about Hap at all, but he sees oh crap, like this guy's yeah. killing it at at high A. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this guy, you yeah. know, and that, that makes it a lot easier to kind of do business. Uh, Hap, incidentally, I, I actually just added in a uh, keeper league, not a dynasty league, but a keeper league where around 50, 60 prospects are rostered, and he was by far the best prospect available on waivers. So I would urge anyone that's in kind of a league like that, you know, he might be kind of an under-the-radar guy when in a league where guys like, you know, Rodgers – Swanson, Bregman, Benintendi are owned. Hat might be that guy that's that's still kind of in that class who who people may not have taken the time to to dig into and roster. Yeah, I'm with you. And you know, people may look at him and say, you know, he's at high A. He's in that organization where they have you know Fowler for what three more years or two more years after this one. Two, two more years after this one. Guy like Albert Almora, but I, I think Hap will kick that door in either whether it's with the Cubs or maybe with another organization after the deadline this year. And maybe as soon as early next season. Hap's the type of guy, too, that can play three or four positions. And I think the worst thing you can do is to be uninterested in someone in, that's in, like, high A or double A by the logic that they're blocked. Like, you shouldn't look at a guy like Alex Bregman and be like, well, where is he going to play? Or Ian Happ and just be like, oh, the Cubs are so stacked. Where is he going to play? Like, these guys are very, very, very good 
players that were taken in the first 10 picks of last year's draft. Like, they're not just going to toil at AAA for a couple of years while, while their team sort of, like, tries to find a spot for them. Like, there's going to be a spot. There's always a spot, you know? There's never – like, remember Rugnet Odor – like we used to think like Profar and Andrews were going to be the guys. And then before that, like people were like, well, where's Jerks and Profar going to play? Like Elvis Andrews and Ian Kinsler, like where's, where's Profar going to play? Like this, this stuff always sorts itself out. So you just can't, can't look at Even that too much. Mazzara too. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, I think that's a really, really good point, especially in a keeper league like that, where you know, when you're in the rebuild, the, yeah, that should be the, the last consideration mm-hmm. as far as, you know what and their path to playing time at the major league level and the the owner that uh didn't want Tim Anderson from me because he had Jorge Mateo and Gilbert Lara like I I definitely get the urge to sort of diversify your minor league portfolio and and try to get you know maybe a, a young stud at, at kind of positions all over the field but you can't ever have too many high-end shortstop prospects and you can't really factor a guy like Gilbert Lara into that equation because Gilbert Gilbert Lara is like at least four years away probably Mm -hmm. uh Mateo won't be up this year that's for sure so I mean Anderson's going to beat both of those guys to the big leagues shortstop prospects are just high-end ones are really tough to come by so you should never really look at your team and be like, well, I'm set in terms of shortstop prospects. I mean, you're, you're never really yeah, set. Exactly. And you can always trade you can always them. You always trade them, yeah. And plus, you've mentioned, like, isn't there a chance Tim Anderson eventually moves to second or something? Well, because that would take care of itself. He could move to center field. Center he could move field. to second. I mean, there's there's some options, but yeah. I think he's going to be a shortstop for the foreseeable future, Okay, especially well, given where the White Sox are. Guys, a couple quick notes from our sponsors. Daily fantasy sucks when you lose. When playing against sharks on popular DFS sites, it can be really hard to make money. At And One Analytics, they give you the lineups that win. Their custom-made algorithm turns the odds back in your favor. If you had entered $10 in 50-50 leagues on the top two DFS sites every day since November, your bankroll would be now sitting at $616 using And One Analytics lineups. That's right, $10 turned into $616. And One Analytics tracks the results of their lineups every day so you know exactly what you're getting when you sign up. Use promo code ROTOWIRE when you sign up to get $10 off your first purchase at andoneanalytics.com. Use that $10 that you saved to start finally growing your bankroll this MLB season. Stop losing in DFS and use And One Analytics so you can play with a purpose. That's and, the number one, analytics.com. And do you need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there is no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to W I X 
Com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Well, let's uh, let's take a look at, at your updated top 200 on the site. Rotowire.com slash radio for free slash pod. I, I'm getting this confused now. You'll get a free 10-day trial either way. Yeah, either, either one. No <laughs> credit card required. No strings attached. So definitely check this out. And James's latest farm futures pieces. Uh, you can run through the entire catalog there. Uh, but just by clicking on his his writer profile there. But let's look here. You got Yoan Moncada, again, taking out all players who are at the major league level currently, even if they still technically have prospect status. But Yoan Moncada, the number one prospect, really, really faring well down at, at low A. Or is he at high A right now? Um, high he's, A he's sale. High. 13 stolen bases. In 18 games, caught four times, 15 walks, 20 strikeouts. Still looking for that first homer this season, but he's a guy that, you know, we, we've seen him or we saw him take uh, bought in the auction in our staff keeper league two this year for, I think, $14 mm-hmm. and certainly has the chance to uh, be a guy that exceeds that maybe even next year. And though he'll the, that owner will have to make a decision on him, after the the twenty eighteen after twenty seventeen, uh, I still think that makes perfect sense, and he should be owned everywhere in keeper leagues, of course. But see somebody that maybe early next year could get the call. Yeah, I don't want to predict too much when he's going to be up, just because he's so far away. Like it's kind of a wide range. It wouldn't surprise me if he was up next year. Uh, that's also a situation that's going to have to sort itself out in terms of where he's going to play because he's not going to unseat Dustin Pedroia, and Dustin Pedroia is not the type of guy that you can really move anywhere else other than second base. I don't, I don't know where you'd, you'd play him if he's not playing at the Keystone. Moncada could move to left field, but then Benintendi probably beats – I think Benintendi gets there before Moncada. So hmm. um, it's – who knows where he's going to play? Who knows when he's going to be up? But when he is up, it's going to be a pretty special package. Well, let's talk about Benintendi for a minute because he's now 14th on your prospect list. A big riser from the preseason. I know he was still pretty high, like top 30-ish or so. But uh, now inside the top 15, he has one homer with Salem this year, but eight doubles, six triples. Uh, good for a 636 slug. On base, nearly 400, batting 338, uh, four steals and six attempts. What's the package going to look like at the major league level? Is he going to be like a true five-category guy for you? Yeah, I think he's, you know, the power might be a little light to give him. I don't think he's going to be a 20-homer guy, at least not right away, but he'll give you double-digit homers, and you know, especially playing in that park and in that division. I just there's no he's one of those guys kind of like um you know I kind of felt this way like about Chris Bryant uh last year like there's just there's no way he's gonna not hit in the big leagues mm-hmm. like it's just everything is just too kind of flawless in terms of the overall package there's no holes in his his offensive game uh, and just that that floor. No, he he reminds me of Mookie Betts in that way, where like you just you just can't really see a scenario where he doesn't hit. It's the like, bat to ball it, skills, right? Are so and good. and you can't you can't underrate 
or you, you can sometimes underrate uh, the value of a floor like that in a minor league prospect because you know so so much of this uh kind of projection is based on like well this this kind of could happen you know like byron buxton's good example uh tim anderson good example like you kind of get caught up in that that elite upside you don't want to sleep on guys like benintendi either who just have that elite floor where they're going to be an above average regular and you can kind of take that to the bank let's talk about pirates first baseman josh bell he is now up to 23 on your prospect list here. He's off to a nice start. 18 games at AAA Indy, betting 300, 402, 514, uh, 12 walks to 16 strikeouts, three three home runs. You know, John Jason has been you know, leading off regularly for that team and pretty good overall, but is, Je- is Bell going to be a guy who just kicks the door in for, th- for this team pretty soon? I just don't know how they're going to – I wrote about this in this week's Farm Futures. Uh, just kind of – I wrote about all guys and all hitters in the International League and talked about Bell and Anderson and Trey Turner, among others. And Bell's I, – I just I, – first, I just want to kind of praise the Pirates organization for the way that they've handled his development and that they've, they've never rushed him and they've kind of let him show them when he's ready – and like, you know, he's always obviously had things that he's been working on at every level. This year, it was kind of all about him sort of starting to show that power in games, and he's done that probably ahead of schedule in terms of what the the organization thought coming into the year. I think that they were also really wise though to go out and bring in a guy like John Jay, so so that they weren't tempted to bring Bell up sooner than he was than he was ready. Mm-hmm. Now they're kind of left in a spot where you know what what's how do you kind of use both of these guys because jaso's been invaluable to them atop that order and so and there's no real i don't see how given the given how awesome their outfield is there's no way that you could throw either of these guys like in left field which would probably be the most obvious place to do to do something like that uh i think they're going to play the super two game with bell unless jaso gets hurt or really falls into a wicked slump Mm -hmm. i think that he's kind of destined to just rake in AAA for the next couple months, and then, then we'll see him him up one way or another. I feel like two months is a, is a good enough time to frame for this type of thing to sort of sort itself out. Uh, could even see a guy – I mean, Bell's, Bell's pretty athletic. You could even see him start getting in work at, I don't know, maybe third base. It's just mm-hmm. – it's, it's really – Young's back, I think ideally they'd play him at short. It's it's a nice problem to have, yeah. and you know the Pirates aren't really in a spot where trading either of these guys makes any sense, unless they were able to move Bell for you know established major league arm or something like that. But I, I think they really like this kid. I I just think that more teams would be better served going the route that they went with his promotion. I mean he's he's twenty three, so it's not mm-hmm. you know they really kind of took their time with him. Uh, you know, I kind of wish that a team like the Twins had sort of done done the same thing with with Buxton, where they're just in no hurry to kind of rush him to the big leagues. They were going to let him sort of show them when he's ready. He's kind of showing them he's ready now, but they don't have anywhere to play him. But that's that's a good problem to have. Yeah, I agree with you. And you mentioned they're starting to tap into that power in games uh, this season down with Indy. I mean, he's a big guy, six two, two thirty seven is what we have him listed at. Only seven homers combined between Double A AA and Triple A last year. 
at his peak, what kind of power are we looking at with, with a guy like Bell? Because at, at first base, uh, I think you'd, you'd need maybe a little more than he's he's shown so far. I think he's he's going to be a tough guy to peg in that department because the, the body the body definitely suggests that he should hit for more homers than he has so far, mm-hmm. but the swing it's it's not like a leverage swing you know he's he's not trying to hit home runs necessarily which is one of the reasons I really love him and I think that that hit tools uh borderline elite for for a guy in triple a but you know I, I would say the floor at his peak is about 15 homers a year ceiling is probably 25 but even if it's just 15 I think that the average is going to be high enough and the on base skills specifically like he's going to be he could be a a 300 400 500 guy without even getting to 20 homers just because of how how much solid contact he's going to make in the gaps. Kind of a Eric Hosmer type. Yeah, type. I think that's a really good comp. Uh, and th- the difference, obviously, is when Hosmer debuted as a prospect, everyone thought he would hit 35 homers mm-hmm. a year uh, because he'd kind of shown that power in the minors. Nobody really expects that of Bell, but I think Bell could settle into the player that Hosmer is right now. Very interesting. Let's talk about Jomar Reyes because uh, – He's on my staff too, uh, nice. team. but no, that's not why I want to talk about him. We can I know, just run down your whole roster. <laughs> let's just talk about me. <laughs> no, I Reyes. I was looking in our magazine last night because I was checking out the rankings. I was like, oh, maybe I think he was a pretty big riser. He was fiftieth in our magazine, so that was you know preseason, uh, pre-spring training even. But uh, from fifteen out of thirty-four, he's got a couple of homers. Nineteen-year-old at the high A level. Uh, this you know power is. It's kind of what you're you're banking on here with Reyes, am I right? Yeah, and I I just you know you might just glance and just say oh two forty three two homers power prospect what's what's the big deal? You know his his approach at the he's a young nineteen. I mean mm-hmm. he he just turned nineteen a couple months ago. He's going to be nineteen for the entire season at high A. For him to not be showing any real contact issues and for him to be walking at a, at a 10% clip is very rare in a guy that's got 30 plus Homer upside down the road. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of what stands out to me. I think he's been a little unlucky on balls in play so far. So they, I'm not really too worried about the average, even though I think long-term this is probably more of a 260, 270 hitter than a, than a 280, 290 guy. But you know the the power I think is going to come with with Reyes. I don't I don't think anyone's really worried about that. And the fact that the, the approach is so advanced at this age, uh, really kind of makes him awfully safe for a nineteen year old in my eyes. Yeah, I think he's somebody that you know maybe not by the end of this year, but maybe midway through next year we could be talking about him maybe as a top ten type of prospect. Could be. Baseball. I mean. Honestly, wouldn't wouldn't shock me if he, if I put him in my top ten heading into next year. Very interesting. Uh, there's another player I wanted to talk about. Another big riser from the uh, preseason, Nick Gordon, mm-hmm. out number fifty. Uh, we we talked about how you know, especially in dynasty keeper leagues, you really can't have too many shortstop uh, prospects on your team because uh, those those players are so valuable, even if they're 
end up being trade chips. Uh, definitely players you want to uh, assets you want to mm-hmm. acquire if you can. What is there anything that you're seeing performance wise or skills wise that that drove him up this high? I think when a guy like you know he's 20 years old at high A, so he's he's still young for the level. Uh, when a guy like gets off to this kind of start in a new league, I, I definitely take note of it. The the contact skills are really kind of elite, and when you when you compare him to a guy like like say Tim Anderson, uh, it's just you you kind of got to take note of that. I mean, when the guy's striking out at less than a seventeen percent clip and make I mean making contact's never going to be an issue for Gordon. The high batting averages, given the athleticism, are kind of a, a given when when you look at that contact rate. And I still think there's more power coming for him. He's he's still he's he, I mean he has matched his homer total from last year in 120 games and just 18 games this year of, of one. But I do think it's it's going to be 10 to 15 homer power in the big leagues and you know 25 steal potential i would say on a, on a regular basis in the big leagues and if, if you're getting a 290 average with that that's that's a top 10 shortstop easy yeah i'm definitely with you there he's you know i think the speed alone makes him very interesting but if he has yeah and of course the shortstop eligibility but if he adds that power uh yeah he could be a top top 10 fantasy should, shortstop should be noted he's you know everyone knows he's d gordon's younger brother not as fast as d gordon so Maybe with more power, but with more power. Yeah. So, and and he's stronger. He's like he's built. You know, it's D Gordon. Nobody really thought he'd ever hit for this kind of average because nobody ever thought he'd make that much hard contact mm-hmm. uh, to do that. Nick Gordon making hard contacts not going to be an issue for him. Another big riser, my boy Amir Garrett. Now, some people may look at his, his numbers and say, you know, he's almost twenty four. He's still a double A, but of course, he is a converted basketball player, really been focusing on pitching for only a couple of years. I think he jumped from maybe the 70s or so to 55 on your update. Uh, he, he too, is, is at a new level and off to a really nice start. 1-4-6 ERA, 0-8-7 whip, uh, 25 to 4 K to walk in 24 and two-thirds innings with double-A Pensacola. Is this a potential number two starter at the major league level? Yeah, I think so. And you know, you touched on the the K to walk. The strikeouts have never quite matched the stuff with him. You know, never never posted a, a strikeout per inning at any other stop. And for him to start doing that this year at Double A, which is you know a significant jump from from high A to Double A, that's that's about as big of a jump in levels as you'll see other than AAA to the big leagues. And for him to kind of not only jump those strikeouts, but to be on pace for a career-best walk rate is mm-hmm. really kind of a alarming package. I mean, it's a small sample, only four starts. But he was a guy that, you know, was going to be, just from guys graduating, was going to probably be in the 60s, mm-hmm. 70s, regardless, even if he was just treading water. And for him to get off to this kind of start, it was definitely something to take notice of. Yeah, and I think the control is really – Really showed so far is really encouraging because this is a guy who's super athletic, mm-hmm. and if he's able to you know, refine that those mechanics and, and have a very repeatable delivery, 
and keeps that control and that walk rate down, uh, yeah, sky is really the limit for, for a guy like Amir Garrett. We're running a little long here. Definitely check out the full updated top 200 for yourself. But anybody else here that you really want to point out, maybe a big jump or a big faller, uh, maybe from 50 to 150 here on the list? Yes. Uh, so this guy wasn't on the list uh, when the magazine was published, and he's in the top 100 now, <laughs> and that's Ronald Acuna with the Braves. Solid name. Yeah, he's you know this 18 year old kid uh six feet 180 pounds outfielder five tool type of package here and already at high a or already at low a i should say uh he's gonna hit for a little power speed's gonna be a big part of his game but kind of in the mold of guys like victor robles and manuel margot the contact ability in a guy that could be a five tool player is is really kind of elite with Acuna, 18 years old, striking out at below 15% clip so far in 19 games. Uh, only one home run, but you know that's more power is going to come with time uh, for him, and and the steals are definitely going to be be there. I think he's he's kind of the early favorite this season to be just the gigantic riser that that might have gone undrafted in some some dynasty league mm-hmm. drafts this off season and ends up being that guy who gets mixed in with sort of the 2016 draft class as one of the first guys off the board in Dynasty League drafts next year. That's very interesting. Yeah, I really, honestly, had never never heard of him. Uh, but somebody that maybe, who knows what had happened, but most of these guys in the top 100 owned in our staff keeper league could be a first-round reserve pick next year. Yeah. Certainly possible. I'm trying to think of – oh, uh, yeah, I did. I, so I dumped a few guys – out of the list altogether uh and some guys that were fairly high up and this was kind of a uh i sort of had like a come to jesus moment sort of when i was was putting these together uh some guys like gavin chichini daniel robertson alex blandino uh kind of middle middle infield types that just really are going to kind of live and die by their hit tool. I just, I didn't really want them on the list anymore. <laughs> and, and I think, I you know, that they're guys that are, they're going to play in the big leagues. You know, you you might end up rostering them at some point in, in deeper leagues. But when I'm building my farm system in a, in a dynasty league, those aren't the guys that I want occupying my minor league spots. You know, yeah. it's, it's the type of guy that you sort of hope that you find off waivers, you know, like that you, you know, one of these guys might be the next Joe panic, but you know, they could easily be the next, I don't know, like Jace Peterson or whatever. It's, it's just not all that exciting. So I dumped some of those guys off the list completely in favor of, riskier guys with big time upside i mean i feel like that's sort of what the the back half of the top 100 or the top 200 should be anyways is just guys with either really really high floors like um you know donnie dewey's is kind of an example of that cubs another cubs college bat that they took uh in last year's draft he's at at low a just 
excellent hit tool. We're, we're going to actually see him at South Bend next week. Um, you know, th- this is a guy with a with a really really high floor. You know, he's going to hit. Uh, you know, he's going to add some speed. Those those are guys that I'm fine having on the the top 200. But for the most part, I want it to be guys with really high ceilings, and I think that that is definitely represented on the the back half of this list. You know, I think that it'd be kind of fortunate if half of the guys in the back half here uh, became big leaguers and non bullpen arms on the pitching side. But you know, if a handful of them become top twenty starting pitchers at some point, or, or really you know five category monsters in the outfield then i feel like that's a lot more useful to to owners yeah i think that is really good reasoning behind behind that back half of this top 200 because yeah the alex blandino types they're just not going to win you they're not going to be difference makers for your fantasy team at any point really so and he's off to a really bad start at at double a this year but is has Big Josh Naylor been a, a riser? For oh you? yeah, he 91. has. Yeah, he eighteen year old at low A. He's already got three homers. Yeah, and yeah, he's another guy where the contact really kind of stood out to me because mm-hmm. you know that a guy like that that's you know two twenty five. I think is being extremely generous. <laughs> I, I don't buy that at all. Add yeah, maybe that's like you forty shots. Might be able to might be able to add another forty or. 50 on there but uh with a with a guy who is is destined for first base or dh and is really just going to be a you you know you draft him for the homers and the rbis you sort of expect there to be some some swing and miss in the game and for him to be at a full season league as an 18 year old and to be striking out less than 20 percent of the time as he is that's really impressive and the, the walks aren't quite there yet but just the fact that he's not swinging and missing that much, you know, I yeah. kind of compare, you know, look back last year, a guy like Bobby Bradley, who ended up uh, being just a, a kind of a revelation on the power department. Strikeouts were always a big part of his game, and he was a he was a faller on this this update because he he hasn't been able to kind of fix that issue at high A today, and it's actually gotten worse. <laughs> when you can kind of project a guy like Naylor to never really run into those issues when he's going up the ladder that makes him a lot safer in my eyes to to be a legitimate uh, piece in most dynasty leagues yeah he's somebody that i'm not even sure he was drafted in a scale maybe he was he probably was but uh stock definitely trending up jeff hoffman down to 128 just a situation where colorado pitchers just pretty much <laughs> off the table for you because this yeah. is the guy he was before the trade was mm-hmm pushing top 50-ish stars. Yeah, it's it, we've talked about Rocky's arms plenty, but it's just I don't know what people are going to have to see to stop valuing these guys based on their tools and and stop and not factor mm-hmm. in where they're going to be pitching. I I feel like it's obvious that when you're making like a, a list for like Baseball America or ESPN like Keith Law does or MLB like Jim Callis does that you're not going to factor in that they're a Rockies pitching prospect, but that doesn't mean we have to in dynasty. Yeah, like exactly. clear, fantasy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like you clearly have to look at that and you have to look at the fact that John Gray is an awesome electric arm. Who's barely ownable in most formats because half his starts come at home where he's just going to completely crap the bed. And it's really no fault of his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Rockies are as a team, 
have no interest in trading these guys, so you can't even hope for a trade with a guy like Jeff Hoffman because they're specifically trying to acquire as many um, as many guys that throw gas as possible. That's that's their strategy. I think it's a good strategy to try to get pitching to actually play in that park is to have guys that just pump 98-99 uh, because the breaking ball doesn't break there, and Hoffman definitely kind of fits the bill, but I just there's been no – real uh, proof that these guys can withstand that park over a full season so I, I like Jeff Hoffman a lot as a pitcher but I just I think if you treat him like a top you know forget 100 if you te- treat him like a top 75 prospect in dynasty leagues like I've seen him regularly treated in like industry mocks I've done and stuff like that then I think you're just really missing uh, the general big picture with him yeah I think you're right and one other one last guy I want to ask you about Seems to be a faller, and noticed it because I have a shared staff keeper league one. Ronaldo Lopez of the Nationals. He's now outside the top 100, uh, just by one spot, 101. But uh, has the ceiling come down a little bit with him? 22 years old at at uh, <clears throat> at Double A. I know there was when I, when I took him. I think it was before before last season. I knew it was going to be a weight, but I thought maybe he had frontline potential. Are you curbing your enthusiasm a little bit here? I don't think the ceilings come down, but I do think the floors come down. I think that I think if you if you ask me point blank, bullpen or rotation for him right now, I'd, I'd say bullpen. Which you know he could be just filthy as a late inning reliever, but when it's not when you're not even like more than 50% sure that he's a starter. It's hard for me to include a guy like that in the top 100. Uh, I think that's that's wise. Well, that'll do it for the prospect portion of the show, again, sponsored by And One Analytics. We are going to grade our latest hip-hop artist uh, on the 20 to 80 scouting scale, grade the five tools we've established for evaluating hip-hop artists. And just, you know, uh, before we dive into it, I want to break these down. Lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, swag, overall – and I don't feel like we explained the 20 to 80 scouting scale enough. Can you just give a very basic overview of, of what that is? Yeah, so 80 is the absolute best of the best, elite. Hall of Fame. You know, jo- Joey Gallo's power, mm-hmm. uh, Billy Hamilton's speed, uh, Ichiro Suzuki's hit tool. I mean, just like, you know, un, you know unmatched, unmatched yeah. greatness. Uh 20 is is just the absolute bottom billy butler's speed <laughs> um billy hamilton's hit tool <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean it i don't know if it's, 20. it's i don't know if it's 20 but it's close uh, <laughs> um yeah i mean so uh jared weaver's fast jared weaver's fastball velocity's 20 uh yeah so it, to be kind of a big league you know, all star and all big league all stars like a, a sixty grade player, uh, multiple all stars. You're you're sixty five, seventy. Uh, you know, starter. You know, average starters probably like fifty, and then you, your bench guys are kind of in the forty, forty five range. So, yeah. and and the tools alone like fifty fives like plus. Um, six, I think sixties plus, seventies plus okay. um, plus, fifties. Uh, 50s average, 45s fringe average, uh, 55s solid average. So nice. I think most of our listeners get that. I mean, yeah. if they listen to a prospect podcast, they're familiar with some scouting uh, terms, and that 
the scouting scale being an obvious one of them. Uh, so, yeah, just wanted to clear that up, though. But we're, we're grading Birdman today. Uh, Beatrice, baby, uh, of Cash Money Records fame. One of course, of, in the I'm, news I'm gonna, lately. I'm going to cite uh, one of his lyrics later on, and in that lyric he <laughs> refers to himself as Junior. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good to know. I don't think I've heard that one. Of course, in the news lately after that hilarious uh, interview with The Breakfast Club, where he told them to put some respect on his name. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen some really funny memes created from all that. I mean, he's just been, he's really kind of turned into the crying George himself with the the arms crossed. And I saw one where somebody spliced him in, like ordering like fast food. That was just hilarious. But anyway, uh, let's, let's look at Birdman as a hip-hop artist today. <laughs> let's. Let's. He's got a new <laughs> album on the way, Miss Gladys. I, I was checking out his solo album discography today, and uh, the only album he has that's certified anything is his debut solo album, which was certified gold. So, <laughs> like, Father not, like he's not moving units. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, <laughs> kind of surprised he's gonna stick stick with it there. Yeah, I guess this is his last, but <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't think he's gonna be really missed. Obviously, an important figure in the history of hip hop, uh, but. So we're just looking strictly at the uh, at the music, even though I did factor in some of his his overall impact on the industry into the impact grade. But maybe I should bring that down a little bit if we're just focusing mainly on the the music. But starting with the music, we both got twenty lyrics. Yes, I mean this is the bottom of the barrel lyrically. Uh, yes, and uh, this brings me. I, I feel like to kind of properly showcase what what 20 is and what we're talking about here uh i found the lyrics to a song called pop bottles which i i haven't heard but is one of you know according to the internet one of his top uh solo songs of course it opens with a verse from little wayne as as he's known to do put little wayne on the on the track so that he can kind of limit the amount of bars that he has to prepare for for each song uh but here's here's the start to his his first verse as I recline behind my desk, I ain't got a lot of Nikes, but I got a lot of checks. Got my own shoe brand, new on the set. Went from sitting in a cell to sitting on a jet. From a word that rhymes with sitting in a cell to on a jet. I lost too many friends, but I won too many bets. I made too much money, but I ain't made enough yet. So I scratched, and yes, Junior is the best. <laughs> that's pretty wow. That's pretty 20. <laughs> that's very 20 this is also pretty 20 when the light hit the ice it twinkle and glistens brian baby b bubba you can call me what you feel hopping out the platinum hummer with the platinum grill with the platinum pieces and the platinum chains with the platinum watches and the platinum ranks um, impressive very much late 90s early 20s when early 2000s when you know, and this style of hip hop lyrics aren't emphasized, mm-hmm. but even you know, among that group, when you know, guy like as much as I love BG, BG, and and even Manny Fresh, not really killing it with the lyrics. Birdman stood out with just how poor his his lyrics truly were. I I feel like he never got the memo like in '99 or 2000 that like everyone was going to stop rapping about grills and rims. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like he just kept going and like everyone else was like off rapping about other stuff and he was just like now nah, let's i kind of want to kind of want to talk about my grill a little bit more you know i mean i got this got this new car and 
Uh, he's the number one star. <laughs> look, I it got this new grill on it. Got these new rims on it. Let's let's keep talking about that. I think that's what the people want, and I don't think the people wanted that. No, I don't think so either. And w- unfortunately, what he lacks in lyricism, he doesn't make up for with flow. I got yeah. a twenty-five. I don't know where that extra five came from. <laughs> yeah, really, it's just wi- I think like whim. deep down in your your heart of hearts, <laughs> you felt bad about giving him back to back twenties. Uh, yeah, I think you just you couldn't really stomach it internally, so you just gave him that extra. This is my way of putting some respect on his name. <laughs> like, I'm not putting much on it, but five. I'll put I'll put a five spot in terms of respect. Twenty and twenty five. That that gap isn't going to make you or break you. But uh, twenty, I give him a twenty. I feel like his flow, maybe more than anyone else's, sounds like he's reading. You know, like it's. <laughs> A lot of rappers are clearly reading, you know, in the studio. They're reading off their notepad or mm-hmm. off a prompt or whatever. Uh, but his, like, you can tell, like, it's it's like a 10th grader giving their speech mm-hmm. in class. Like you can, Floyd like, Mayweather yeah. reading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can, uh, I mean, illiteracy is hilarious. Uh, but <laughs> you, you can tell that, that he's reading directly uh, and kind of deliberately from his from his piece of paper. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And he also, in terms of rhyme scheme, <laughs> like some of the worst, like he, he had it in oh, Cash oh, Money, yeah, yeah. where like, you know, every single line ends with like the B word, S yeah, word, or, yeah, or yeah. other. And a lot of, um, you know, like that 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 verse that I read, like where he goes, he rhymes the same thing with. You know, he rhymed like the the end of one bar is the same word as the end of the next bar. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that goes on for a while. All, I mean, he does that all the time. Yeah. I mean, most rappers do that. It, you know, Some everyone's points. got a bad day. Everyone's yeah. everyone's yeah. had a rough day in the studio. We just can't can't figure out what that next verse is going to be. But uh, yeah, that was kind of regular with him. And. Honestly, for a guy that had as much money as he claimed to have, you know, just have some pride and or have some kind of understanding of where you're at and and hire some ghostwriters. You know, yeah, I mean, that's that's what that's what Puff Daddy did. And yeah. I mean, know. even even Wayne and Drake have or Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre yeah. releases Crying 2001. He's not even rapping on like half the songs. <laughs> you know, he's got yeah. Hitman on all that stuff. That's so true. Well, longevity, I got a 30, you got a 35. A little bit nice, a little bit better there <laughs> in the grades. But I think really he owes a lot of that to Manny Fresh because right. the only reason I'm bumming him up here is for those couple of big timers up. Right, and I didn't. I checked in with you before submitting this because I wanted to see if we were counting his work with the big timers mm-hmm. for that longevity grade specifically because I feel like I would have given him a 20 there uh, if we're just – focusing on the solo career but yeah i mean he was he was around for quite a while he's been around for far too long but far too uh, long. yeah i got it still spit 35 I don't, I don't understand it yeah. but yeah a lot of you know a lot of work with big timers a lot of features on a lot of those yes. actually good cash money albums uh impact again he is a pretty important figure in hip-hop history uh just given we you know Signing that Universal deal, co-founder of Cash yeah, Money. Yeah, exactly. Um, but my so I gave him a forty, and I lowered mine to forty. Well. The reason I, you know, you, you typically if you're a co-founder of like a major major label, that's going to get you a bit more in a forty for for impact. I just don't see how he. I, I feel like a guy like Juvenile, a guy like Lil Wayne, like those guys are going to be successful, like 
Like, I don't think he did anything necessarily to make those guys successful. An eye like, for talent. But, yeah, I'm, I agree with you. I, I, I don't see Lil Wayne not becoming Lil Wayne one way or another. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, same thing kind of with Juvenile. So I, And you don't really know, you know, how much of that was Manny Fresh. I mean, I would give Manny Fresh bigger grades kind of across the board here. If we oh, were. yeah, same. And he wasn't even a ra- he was a producer who rapped occasionally. Yep, definitely. And if we're talking strictly about Birdman's impact on the mic and, and li- like as a rapper i'm surprised you said that was a straight face <laughs> uh it was hard it was difficult but that would be a, an easy 20 again these additional 20 are coming from starting starting cash money putting a lot of giving at least a lot of these artists yeah they might have been stars eventually in their own right but giving them a platform to succeed swag easy 20 mm-hmm. for me <laughs> i mean Especially after that Breakfast Club interview, but even before that, it was a pretty easy twenty. But him sitting there with his, you know, with that posse, you know, you're rolling ten deep into like a into a radio studio, and sitting there with your arms crossed, talking about, you know, I'm not gonna say it no more, and and saying he's gonna like roll up on Charlemagne, like, come on, man, that's just that's weak. Plus, like, it, has he been a blood and a crip? I. I that? know that he's a Benno. I know that he's quote unquote Benna blood. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He has about, red star tattoos. Because like I just I don't, you know whatever, it, whatever he I wants to say that he is to make yeah. himself feel better. Uh, the Hard. I, I look at him like when he's sitting like courtside at a at an NBA game, he kind of looks like he was just kind of born into money and decided that he wanted to look like a like a rapper or a gangster mm-hmm. and like his parents gave him like these you know expensive courtside seats no and that's not the case he kind of he kind of posts up down there and like nobody likes him nobody like respects him none of the players are like oh that's Birdman, you know like they're all just like uh oh, who's get out of yeah, here exactly. man and like even <laughs> wayne like in well bg just destroyed him after he left cash money but wayne too like none of those guys fresh left cash money I think Juvie's back, but he's had beef with with Birdman too. None of those guys really stand up for Birdman. Nor should they. No, they definitely should not. So overall, I got a you know I'm moving this down back to 25. <laughs> I had a 30 on that overall grade, giving him a, a 25 is... because he deserves to be a full 10 points lower than Ludacris. Yeah, I think I was doing kind of the same thing as you were doing this week last week, like when. You kept moving down your Birdman grades as we went. I kept moving down my Ludacris grades as we went last week. Uh, I also met a 25, uh, which I think is, that is, you know, when you feel really good at the end of, like, grading out one of these guys, and you're just like, oh, yeah, that's the right number. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of how I feel right now about yeah. that 25 and Birdman. I'm just like, yeah, that's nailed it, 25. Yeah, you, were, you were dead on. I was a little, a little generous to start, but I think all these grades are pretty dead on, 25 here. Hopefully we don't. We don't have to hear from Birdman about this. That seems like he has a would not be ideal. Oh, <laughs> range. Somehow he he hears and knows all apparently, but I don't think Birdman's listening to a prospect podcast. But guys, thank you for listening. Paul Spore and Todd Zola will be back with you tomorrow, and we'll talk to you next week.
This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.